Ruth and Peter. Good morning, my love. Good morning, my love. How'd you sleep last night? Got my eight hours in. Woke up kind of early, like 6.15. I know, I was surprised. Went to bed early at like 10, so. It was strange seeing you up in the morning. I had my headphones on and I was doing chores and stuff and then suddenly you were there. I mean, it's just about an hour earlier than I normally wake up. Yeah, I'm impressed. Well, my, that's just when my body woke up. I was dreaming and then we've talked about how our bodies heat up, right, but like to wake us up. Yep. And my body heated up and I got warm and I woke up and I knew I'd just been dreaming. But, um, because of our schedules today, I knew if we were going to record it, I needed to get up earlier. So I was grateful that my, I naturally did without an alarm. Yeah, I, uh, again, was surprised because we've got a little backlog going now of episodes. Uh, so I was thinking, oh yeah, maybe we'll, we'll take a day off, you know, because we've got these really conflicting schedules, but you're powering through. Thanks, babe. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, hopefully I won't be too tired since I don't really start my work day until noon. So yeah, what will this be at the end of the day? It'll be like a 14-hour day for you? And yesterday was a 14-hour day, too. By the time you get home? Yeah, good times. Yeah, 14-hour days. Busy weeks and leisurely weekends. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, Yeah, work hard, play hard. I'm on my Sigma grind set, and that means I'm on my Sigma party set. Okay, babe. Uh, Max Chad over here. All right. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not terminally online. I'm terminally online. Yeah. Not anymore. Not anymore. No. Um, everybody download Minimalist Phone onto your phone and uh, get rid of all the user interface candy that's making your brain uh, addicted to a device the way that you should be caring for a child. Um, yeah, think about yourself right now, dear listener. Anywho, what is our topic for today? It's well, a topic I brought to the table. Ha ha, what Yeah, up? I was going to say. Dear listener, Liz is looking at me like, are you fucking stupid? Like, do you not know how this works? Like, we're supposed to transition seamlessly into a topic. And this is us transitioning seamlessly into a topic. All right, baby. All right, I got one for you. Uh, our parents are really old. Let's talk about it. Well, I feel like it's relative because our parents are what, in their 60s? My mom is 65. My mom's around there. Um, isn't my mom like 63? I think so. Some, somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. Um, but I also have <clears throat> clients whose parents are like in their 80s. And this topic came to mind for me because I feel like Peter and I were just starting to notice our parents aging. But I have clients who are in the midst of like caring for aging parents in their 80s. And all the challenges that come with that. And it just kind of made me reflect more and want your opinion on on what it's like to have a parent who's starting to age. Yeah. So do you want me to go? Do you sure. want me to just take that wherever? Okay. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. I don't know, I guess the first thing that came to mind was that my mom was my primary caregiver for like the first seven years. Basically until I ran off to school, you know? Uh, full-time for the most part, except mm-hmm. for summers, which even then, no supervision, just let me run around outside. You know, this was the days before, you know, uh, having collars on your children to shock them and keep them in the yard was 
considered normal, you know, a, a less civilized time. You mean leashes? Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that too. Um, anywho, yeah, so, so that was the first thing I, <coughs> that I thought of, and then, uh, you know, the thought of, like, kind of doing that role reversal is not great, um, and I'm thankful that I've only had to step in in certain, uh, not, well, compared to what they could be, not significant ways, um, yet. Yeah. But it's kind of always looming at this point. And, you know, the United States uh, is a country where, because of the way that we've decided, we've, we've all collectively decided together that we're going to have a for-profit health system, right? And, you know, what what is it, 90% of your lifetime health costs happen in the last, like, two years of your life? Mm-hmm. Right? Just because, you know, the system is set up to suck every penny out of you at the very end. You know, when you're... When you're at your most vulnerable, when you're when when you're at your most likely to not care about money, they're there to just take it all as much as they can. Everything right? you worked your life to you're, retire for gets to go to a hospital because they designed their product in a way that if you want to be comfortable in your final moments, you gotta pay. If you want to be healthy to get up to your final moments, you gotta pay. And if you're not able to pay, well, guess what? That's a uh, a character flaw. That's on you. You led yourself to that. As as my uncle, I'm not going to say his name, would like to say, God only helps those who helps them who help themselves, right? Well, what the fuck? Like, fuck that thinking. If the system that we are in, if you try to help yourself, it bankrupts you. Like, this is some bullshit. Uh, and so, you know, just knowing that I have people in my life that are going to have to deal with this system more and more as time goes on. That's the scariest thing for me, because, like, not that I'm going to get any kind of inheritance. My parents are, you know, working class, lower middle class. But, no, yeah, working class. And, like, I was never going to get, like, a big boat full of money at the end of them living, you know, like some of my peers are going to. Like, some some people I know are banking on, right? Right. fuck that. I've never had an inheritance. Um but, like, the idea that, you know, this person that I love, because it's not even really about money or anything like that, right? It's like, this person that I love, we're all going to die someday. And chances are, you know, there's going to, like, for us to be ideally comfortable in today's society, there's going to need to be some medical intervention. All right, well, I'm not sure that she has the money. So, I being an only child, I wonder where the fuck that's going to come from when the time comes. And we've talked about that, like... I vacillate between like, damn, she's going to bankrupt us. And well, damn, no, I guess I just like leave her out for the government to take care of with whatever poor people medical insurance they've decided is good enough for the lowest among us. You know, like, can I, can I at least get some morphine while I drift off into, you know, shitting myself to death in some overpacked hospital? No, probably not because my taxes went to go give some fucking billionaire a tax break so he could build a, you know, billion dollar mansion in some fucking mountain that's, you know, to protect himself from the climate refugees that are eventually going to, like, I don't know, I can get really dystopian about it, right? So, that's kind of how I feel about it. It's kind of just an overall very much a negative, because at this point my mom is not in a place where she can, like, contribute in many, like, most ways, like the ways that our society finds valuable, you know, and she's at a point in her life where she's old enough to where, like, you know, she pulls Social Security, and if she makes any money, she doesn't get to pull Social Security, so why would she ever try to do any kind of work, you know? 
Because she's retired. Because she's retired. Technically, she's retired and disabled um, due to work, right? Like, she worked and ground her body down, and now her body doesn't work like a normal body works anymore. And for that, she gets the existence that she has now, which is not horrible, not great, not what most people would choose, I don't think. Um, But part of that is, you know, on her, I guess. But part of that is just that we we live with a, a system that is cruel and, and brutal. And if you don't play the game properly during the first half, then, you know, especially during the, the last quarter, things might get pretty dicey. Um, and so kind of using them as a cautionary tale. And I, I know I've talked about my mom this whole time. It's because, you know, my dad and I don't really have a relationship. I, I can't remember the last time I heard his voice. It's been years. I think he sent me, a, you know, a few texts in the last two years right something like that but like we've had a strained relationship you know i mean i like to talk about this every now and then like you know back in imperial rome you weren't considered a man until your father was dead right a lot of incentive to kill your dad uh you know not not to say anything incriminating on a podcast but like yeah like we don't have a relationship so guess what he can go deal with whatever shit he has to deal with like if he wanted to have a son who was going to step up and help him in his twilight years, maybe he shouldn't have been a piece of shit. Maybe he shouldn't have stolen from me. Maybe he shouldn't have lied to me. Maybe he shouldn't have beat the shit out of me when I was a little kid, when I was too small to protect myself. Shit sure changed when I became 16-some years old and beat the hell out of him, you know? Like, turnabout's fair play, motherfucker, and now you're 67 years old and you're alone, as far as I know? Fucking drive an Uber, working at Walmart? Like... Yeah, guess what? I don't even need to do anything. You got yours, all right? So, like, dealing with aging parents in that sense, fuck them. Like. But you feel differently towards your mom? Yeah, I feel differently towards my mom because, like, she, I don't know, she's such a passive, like, she she needs, she's the kind of person who their whole life they've lived a certain way, so now they need someone to care for them. Yeah. And he just, like, was not willing to do that, it seemed, uh, in the later years. And, you know, it's a lot easier when you actually have resources, you know, to to handle life. But uh, it's kind of hard to go through life when you gamble away all your fucking resources. So, eh, too bad for you. I guess you chose that. Or uh, probably not, you know, gambling's a disease. It's an addiction just like a bunch of other shit is. So, like... I know, I'm just so thankful that I've done so many things differently, like invested in my mental health, actually cared about that type of stuff, like educated myself beyond, you know, what what a, a generic public school education will get you, you know, uh, lo- looking at them and thinking like, damn, I don't want to do that. Like, hey, dad, why the fuck didn't you ever try to get a promotion and make more money? Like, why didn't you, why didn't you ever try to, like, better your situation? Oh, like, you just wanted to go to the fucking track, you know? Bet on some horses and dogs. You want to go down the boat, pull the fucking arm of the slot machine for hours, or play fucking blackjack? Like, cool. Well, that's how you spent your time. You know how I'm going to spend my time? Not doing stupid shit like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Aging parents, I, like, I'm, I'm probably someone who I you know I was gonna say I'm probably someone who has a minority view on this but I think a lot of people are in a situation similar to the one that I'm in with my folks you know like pretty much everybody 
because again because of the economics of how all this shit works i i know it i, I can think of a handful of people right off the top of my head who have similar like not as eh, some some worse some better than me where they've got family relationships that are strained because of economics and that's fucked up like to the hey guess what to experience uh, the human experience the cost of entry is x wow wow great yeah, okay, we, we basically, as a society, put a fucking, like, dollar sign on what it means to live. Cool. That's a great situation to find ourselves in. Which, you know, this is a realization that I came to years ago at this point. Like, it went through a lot of mental, emotional turmoil over it. And was just like, yeah, gotta eat shit, gotta make money. The, the world is cold and, and fucked up and, like, a system does not care about you. Like, cool, great. And you know what? If When I get old... I don't want to end up like the people I've seen get old. Most of them. I mean, it's fucked up that the most craven people who only looked out for themselves... Yeah, maybe I'm getting extreme. Of course I am getting extreme with this. But like, it seems that they end up having the end of their lives being better off just because they've accumulated so many resources. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's how I feel about aging parents. Don't want to deal with it. It's bullshit. Like... We should have a society that when you get old, you just get to get old with dignity. You know? You want to live in, in a communal place with a bunch of fucking old people? Go for it. You want to have a little hobbit hole out in the woods? Sure, we can provide that for you. You want food delivered? Yeah, we can do that. We have the fucking means to do all of that shit. And provide everybody with healthcare and all the other shit that I bitch about all the time. But you know what? It doesn't make money. So that's why we don't do it. And when... Every single one of our relationships passes through that sieve. It corrupts them. It perverts them. It makes them less than what they should be. And it degrades the human experience for all of us. And so, there you go. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about aging parents? Well, I feel like I'm in a little bit of a different situation. Um, my dad passed away in 2015 because he didn't take care of his body. He had He was you know, a Vietnam vet with PTSD that he didn't treat. Um, he didn't take care of his mental health. And he had diabetes and drank a lot. And so that exacerbated the diabetes and he got really sick. And it wasn't until he was too sick to have, like, control of his own medical decisions that my mom started treating his mental health with medication. So he was just kind of like... I don't know, barely lucid and really sick, and, like, we had to build a hospital room in our house for him. We didn't have to. My mom did because she was a kind person. She is a kind person. And so she took care of him when he was, like, in a wheelchair and couldn't bathe himself. And, like, so he died of a stroke, like, it related to his health and diabetes and everything. He died of a stroke in 2015. And so I kind of got to watch that happen. And that was the first time someone really close to me had died. And I kind of had a, it was interesting. I had a very like, very neutral and fine relationship with death up until then. But watching him be like basically in a coma and like incapacitated for the last several days of his life kind of scared me. Because, you know, yeah. I couldn't tell if he was, could hear us. I couldn't tell if he, he was conscious. The doctors couldn't 
tr- truly answer that for us. And, like, the thought of that happening to me scared me a little bit. So it wasn't the dying so much as seeing him just laying there for days, not moving or awake or conscious or lucid. And so that was interesting. But that happened, yeah, back in 2015. Um, But my mom... Like, she's in her early to mid-60s, and, you know, she spent her life building a business, but using a lot of her resources to take care of other people, whether it was, like, us, her kids, you know, helping to support us through our 20s when we weren't making much money. Um, We have extended, a lot of extended family in Kenya on my mom's side, and she sent a lot of her resources that way throughout a lot of her adult life and I don't think it was until like the last seven years she really started thinking and planning for her retirement Mm -hmm. and so she did not want to be a financial burden for us so she um, started investing in real estate and owns a few properties now so in addition to owning her business she owns like like three or four properties where she's a landlord um, and has a management company manage them. So she has passive income coming in that I think is just going toward, like, saving up to be able to retire one day. I think she wants to work as long as possible and then retire. Um, but I feel... Your, your mom is in incredible shape. Like... Yeah, she's in really good shape. But I will say, and it's hard to say this, but I do notice, like, shifts and changes since, since she's transitioned from her early to mid 60s like just very very slight almost not noticeable changes in mental like acuity oh yeah and just seeing those like little lapses like forgetting things or stuff like that can be really hard for me oh Um, yeah it is yes absolutely i mean for anybody yeah because because you it's kind of a, a shadow of what could possibly be going on in the future exactly um but I, I do feel like in a fairly lucky position that she owns a home health agency. And so I have a lot of hope that, you know, her business will like actually be able to take care of her when she needs assistance in her older age. Like she's built a company that does that for a living. And so like I think and she has an extended social network and and strong Kenyan community in Wichita. And so I have no doubt that she'll be like well taken care of. Um, it's kind of the reason like this, this topic even really resonates for me right now is have, I've just had a lot of clients whose parents are between like mid sixties to eighties and they're dealing with what you were talking about, Peter, like, Health complications, surgeries, diseases, mental mm-hmm. health issues. And then all the bills. Cognitive decline and all of those things. And even when they have the res- like the parents have the resources financially to take care of it and the kids don't have to worry about it um, financially, seeing the process of their parents aging and like the mental, emotional, and like time toll that it takes on their children to like be present for them and help care for them um is kind of significant and 
it also for my clients brings death to mind Mm -hmm. in a way like mortality to mind in a way that they hadn't previously thought about like they're having to face the reality of their parents like impending death one day and they're talking to me about death in a kind of existential way and like their relationship to death they don't always fully understand it yeah um or what they think of it um a lot of my clients are not christian and so there's a lot more uncertainty mm-hmm. and well there, there, there's uncertainty about like what happens afterwards but there's also that crushing certainty that it's inevitable it mm-hmm. will also happen to you and when your parent gets old deteriorates and eventually dies then that's like the last step between you and uh mortality right yeah and so, so there's nothing between you and the rest of existence at that point. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. So I've had quite a few clients talking to me about death lately. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I feel like for a lot of us in our early to mid thirties, like it hasn't really set in yet. Like, a lot of our parents aren't old enough to need, like, our kind of constant attention or, Mm -hmm. like, regular attention yet. Mm -hmm. But I have clients who have to call their parents, like, every other day because they're, like, mentally declining or, like, really anxious or really depressed because they're retired and not doing anything. And their children feel obligated to, like, make sure their parents getting out of the house at least once a week or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. And I just think it's hard. You know, another thing that it highlights for me is that I wish I had more community. You know, like, that that's why I make the, the effort. Like, that's why I'm going to make the effort over the next year, like, before November, to meet, like, basically everybody on our block. Like, that's mm-hmm. one of my goals for myself. Because I want to know all of the people who live around here. Right. Um, even if they're only, like, renting for a year or something like that. Like, I want to go over and meet them. Um, because I think that, like this whole thing that we're talking about also kind of highlights how community is not as strong as kind of the, the idyllic American, like Americana version of what a community is, right? Like where you know your neighbors. Well, you, you, like this is like a 1950s idealized thing, right? You know your neighbors, like, you know, you borrow sugar, you know, that type of shit, right? Bring each other food when you're Bring sick. Bring each other food when you're sick or have a baby or like whatever, all the stuff, right? And you all know each other. And so if somebody shows up in the neighborhood who's not there normally, you know. Because you literally know everyone in the neighborhood. Right. Um, and then so, like, when you get older and when you decline and things like that, like, they help you. Right? Yeah. And, and it got so extreme in the United States, uh, you know, during the d- Depression and, and uh, uh, surrounding times when, you know, the community in certain situations would even come together and say, like, a... You know, an old widow, you know, with her children, uh, you know, she's she's got a farm, but she's got no way to, you know, pay off uh, whatever debt she's incurred to whatever bank, you know, in the area. They'd go to auction off the house. The whole community would come up, start the bidding, $1, widow pays it, nobody else bids. Yeah. Even, even, even nobody from out of town, because they know they'll get lynched. Mm-hmm. And then that's how the community comes together. Nobody would do that shit today. Right. But, like, I, I don't know. I just want more of that type of shit. Like, how do I cultivate that shit? Yeah. So, I don't know. The, the thought of aging parents brings up so many different, mainly shitty things. Like, why 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 do I not have the reaction to getting old that it's 
you know, a celebration. Like, look at this person. They're the, like, they're the accumulation of all these experiences, all this knowledge. Like, they're so wise. Like, God, like, holy shit, we get to enjoy these people in their twilight years. Like, that's what I want the this thing to be, you know? Like, that's what I want to be. Like, when I'm an old man, sit me in a fucking room. Just talk to me all the time. Get all the shit you can out of me. Little kids, middle-aged people. Just, like, let me be 90 years old, you know? Doing that. Well, I feel like we are trying to build and grow the type of life where we ideally will be able to age that way. Yeah. Because right now, like... The joys are far outweighed by the sadnesses with the way that aging goes so often. You're speaking generally? Yeah. Well, I'm speaking about my own experience, too. Like, shit, I I think of my grandparents, even, and, like, pretty much all of them ended up in a hospital bed with all kinds of tubes shooting out of them, unconscious, most of them toothless, you know? I mean, I really think this is a class issue, very much so, because, like, we have friends whose parents are aging, or I have clients whose parents are aging, where they can afford to, like, go to retirement homes and be well taken care of, you know? And I think about my Shosho in Kenya, my grandmother, Mm -hmm. and, like, my mom could afford to build, like, a really nice house for her in Kenya, and, like, she has a live-in maid who takes care of her. And she has, in Kenya, that community aspect that you're talking about of family members and friends who go in and check on her and talk to her and have tea with her and um, just get together to keep her social. And so, but that's because she has a daughter who has the resources to provide for her in that way and she has the community element that you're talking about because she grew up in the village, you know? Yep. And so... Yeah, I think it really just kind of depends, like, on on class and, and how you retire and whether you get to retire. Well, it's, it's a mixture. Like, you gotta be, you gotta be a certain amount of lucky to not have some great misfortune befall you. Yeah. But then you also, at the same time, need to be intentional and persistent and think, you know, how do I set myself up? to where I can live the kind of life that I want to live in my twilight years. And the shittiest, I mean, the sh- a shitty thing about that is that you have to, you know, forego experiences in the now so that you can not have horrible experiences in the then. And it's, to me, that's really interesting in, like, a mindfulness, like, present moment practice way because I also, like, feel like, the future's not guaranteed. And so why forego experiences right. when when we're like why not enjoy your youth and your able body if you have one to be able to like travel and see things and do things that are pleasurable. See but but, but you're but now you're bringing that money element into it, right? Like you right. can enjoy your body, you can enjoy people, you can enjoy your life without necessarily traveling. You know, yeah. in an expensive way. Right. Um, you just have to have kind of the, the financial discipline to, you know, hey, instead of taking an international vacation to a resort and paying a bunch of money to not, to be pampered and not have to do anything really, you know, do the road trip where you camp. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, we had a friend telling us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I've done that. I, that's what I did all through college because I had no money, but I still wanted to travel. Right. You know? 
So like you you can you just like the again our our economic like the economics of our society are designed in a way to get people into debt and then have the the people who are in debt basically subsidize the very wealthiest among us. And if you can recognize that it's all kind of a trap and then you get on the side where you're employing the trap on other people, yeah, you can live a very, uh, I don't know, financially fruitful life at that point. But the vast, vast majority of people do not end up on the other side like that. And they end up being ground in a hamburger sometimes. Right. Good talk. Yeah, happy shit. Hey, guess what? After that conversation, you know what I'm going to do? 7 a.m., I'm going to open up a hen and owl. I'm going to suck that bad boy down. I'm going to suck it so much you're going to be embarrassed by it. Yeah, I'm going to show off on it. I'm going to down that hen and owl. I'm going to get to work. Let's do it. Make every time a hen and owl time. Hen and owl, Tahiti, Tahiti's beer. Drink responsibly.